I want to dive right into God's Word today. We're in a series called Perspectives. Perspectives. A perspective, or my perspective, is how I see something. So my perspective is going to govern my life, and it's also going to shape my life. So therefore, it's really important that I have a right perspective on the important things of life. If my perspective aligns with God's perspective, I will see things as God sees them. I'll make wise, godly choices, and I'll also learn to value the things that God values, and it's very important. We've talked about three different topics the last three weeks. Today, I want to talk about God's house. What is your perspective on God's house? How do you see God's house? I'm going to begin today in Matthew chapter 21. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We'll have the scriptures on the screen for you. Matthew 21, Jesus has just entered into the city of Jerusalem, what we call the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. They're waving palm branches and they're crowning him as the king. But he's about in just a couple of days to go to the cross. He knows the road he's on. He knows his pathway. And on this pathway, he goes to the temple of God, the house of God, if you will. Matthew 21, let's pick it up in verse number 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. This first part of the message today, I want to show you three things out of these two verses that I think are really, really important. First of all, let's look at what Jesus did. He enters the temple. He sees this scene where what is supposed to be the place where God and man meet has become nothing more than a ritual where tables are set up for people to make money off of God's house. And so look at what Jesus did. He confronted what God's house had become. Think about that. Jesus confronted what God's house had become. Literally, Jesus cleaned house. He cleaned house. And what he did was he drove out all of those who were selling there in the temple, the doves and the different sacrifices. He drove them out and said, you don't belong here. And then he overturned the tables of the money changers. Those who came from other nations, Jewish people from other nations, other believers who came there for this time of year, for the Passover time, they had a money-changing system. And of course, if you've ever traveled to another country, when you exchange money, you lose money. It costs you to exchange money. Jesus walked up and overturned their tables. Now, stop just a moment. Most of us have been taught by society well, Jesus is just this old hippie who just walks around like this with peace and love on his face all the time. And all he talks about is love, 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 love. Never corrected anything, never said a harsh word. You're kidding yourself if that's who you believe Jesus was. Jesus, in anger, drove those people out of the temple, turned their tables over. 
And he said, this is not what God's house is for. You know, it's interesting. When Jesus got finished doing this, this is what he said. He said, here's here's my perspective on God's house. It is written. It is written. And he quotes from Isaiah. He quotes from Jeremiah. Two passages. Puts them together. Here's what he said. My house. My house. My house. My house. Can I just tell you today, this is God's house. This is God's house. I'm going to get into this more here in just a moment. This is God's house. Jesus established his ownership of the house. This is my house. But he also established his authority over the house. It's as if Jesus was saying, you wonder why I'm doing this? You wonder why I'm turning over tables and run these guys out of the temple? It's because it's my house and I'm going to exert my authority in my house. I'm going to be God over my house. And can I tell you today in this message, this is not a harsh message. It's, it's, it's a delightful message. But the first part of this, we need to understand sometimes our perspective gets a little bit off. And I'm hoping and praying today that God will adjust our perspective on how we see God's house. He said, my house, my house. And he goes on to say, shall be called a house of prayer. Let me spend just a couple of minutes here. He said, this is God's house. This is God's home. Now, many of you in this room own homes or you rent a place. And when you buy a home or even sometimes when you rent a home, you go into that place and uh, if you're buying a home, you, you know, while it's still up for sale... You look at the house and the people who own the house have got their pictures on the walls and they've got their furniture and you walk through the house and you say, oh, I love the way this house is laid out. I love this, I love this, but ooh, I hate that carpet. And ooh, I can't believe those colors in that room. It's horrendous. And what you do is you buy the house and when they move out, they take all their stuff with them and then you move your furniture in, you put the carpet in you want, you paint the colors you want, you put your pictures on the wall because you want that house to look like you. And see, when we look at God's house, we oftentimes get so obsessed with what we want it to be that we forget it's God's house And maybe we need to ask him, what do you want things to be like in your house? See, maybe God wants to decorate his house to look like him. If you go in the Old Testament, you'll find that there were times where it says God put his name on a place. God put his name on his house. And when God puts his name there, he says, look, here's what goes on in my house. My name is righteousness, sanctification. I'm always there. I'm the God of peace. I'm the healer. I'm the provider. I will be your banner. I will be your shepherd. You just need to come and get in my house and learn what I want to do in your life. And so Jesus is trying to establish this. God's house, God's home, where he dwells, is to be a house of prayer. And that word prayer in the original context means not just to pray, it means to have some very deep, sincere conversations with God. It also means to worship God. 
Simply stated, it means to encounter God in his presence and what he wants to be and what he wants to do in our lives. But then finally, in in this passage of scripture, one more thing, Jesus makes an observation. I mean, he's already acted in clean house. He's defined what it's supposed to be. Then he says this, but you have made it. And he says to those guys, he runs out of there. You've made it something it wasn't supposed to be. As I prepared this message this week, my prayer became, God, let me see your house for what you want it to be. Because I do have a bit of authority here. I want to create an atmosphere that you would be pleased in, in your house. What Jesus was saying was, your perspective on my house has been wrong. You've made it something that was never intended to be. Your perspective is different than mine. And you know what I've learned through the years, and I keep learning this over and over again? People have different perspectives on every topic, including God's house. But we need our perspective on anything to align with God's perspective. So, second thing today, perspective. How should we see God's house? What should it look like? How should we picture it? What should we want it to be well let me take about three minutes here and just give you a real quick spiritual background or scriptural background we often refer to a church building as god's house and that's okay but technically new testament scripture teaches that we are god's house we meet in this place but we our hearts our lives our beings we are really God's house. And let me run this through you real quick. If you're making notes, make notes. 1 Peter 1.9 says, we're called out of the darkness of sin to become called out, which means the church, to be called out of something. We're called out of darkness of sin and we're called into light. Ephesians 2 says that we are now fellow citizens and members of the household of God. We're his family. But then Ephesians 2 goes on to say, we're not only called to be a part of God's family, we are knit together by God to become his dwelling place. Here's what it actually says in verse 22. You are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So let me show you this. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, you are God's building. And he's talking you in the plural, not just individually but collectively you are god's building it literally means his architecture his structure see jesus said i'll build my church the gates of hell won't prevail against it god is building something and he's building something where he wants to live and abide and stay so here here's the point so i am god's dwelling place but also when we meet we become god's dwelling So you need to take this personal. Well, I can't wait to go back to church because we sense God's presence. You can have God's presence every day of the week. You can sense his presence. You can be aware of his presence if you want to be. Take the time to make every place a place of worship. God will show up. But something happens when a group of people gather together. God tends to show up in big, amazing ways and do a lot of things all at one time. It just happens. And so we need to see God's house the way he sees it. So what do we need to look for? What do we need to find in God's house? 
I want to talk about three things just the next few minutes that I think are really important about God's house. Number one, Zach talked about this last week, so I'm not going to reteach what he talked about. But the first thing we need to find in God's house is we need to find prayer, uh, praise and we need to find worship. There needs to be praise and worship. You have no idea how much my heart jumps with joy as it did this morning to see people leading in praise and worship and seeing a church, a congregation of people responding in praise and worship to God. That thrills my heart. You know why? Because it thrills God's heart. God's house needs to be a place where there is praise and worship to God. Praise, it's expressions of joy. Thanking God for what he's been doing in our lives. And then worship is when we bow our lives before him and honor him for who he is and what he is. That needs to happen in God's house. So let me ask you a question this morning. Maybe let's make it personal. Ask yourself, do I come to God's house ready to joyfully praise him? Do I come to God's house ready to lay my life at his feet and ask for his help to honor him as my God? Do I worship God? Do I come with that kind of heart? See, God wants to find that in his house. Zach got into it last week. I'll only spend one more minute here. Zach taught it so well out of Psalms 22. God inhabits the praise of his people. Literally, he comes and sits down on the throne of praise that we build for him. And I found the greater our hearts are wrapped up in praise, the bigger God shows up. Now, I know if you take that apart with its English, you might find fault with that phrase. But just trust me, it's true. The more we praise him, the greater measure we see of his presence showing up among us. So number one, there needs to be praise and worship, joy and honor. But then there's a second thing that I think sometimes we miss in God's house. And I want to say, I remind you this morning, I'm a pastor, I'm a shepherd. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not going to preach a happy message and run and leave town and leave the pastor left to clean it up, okay? I'm going to tell you the way it is this morning because I have to live with you and I have to live with what I say. But a second thing that I think sometimes we miss in God's house, there needs to be reverence in God's house. There needs to be reverence in God's house. I'm going to read a, pa- a passage out of Psalms 5, the fifth psalm. And I'm, there, there's really one verse I want to read, but I want to set it up and want to show you the contrast here. Psalms 5, verse 3. Here's what David says. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. Can I tell you, that's a great way to live your life. Every day, take a moment in the morning to just give God praise. Honor him. But notice what he says next in verse 4. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. Verse 5, the boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. And you know one of the things I've learned the last many years? This spring, I know this will... 
This will amaze some of you because you didn't even know I was this old. But this, this spring, I will have been in ministry 48 years. So, you know, some of us start when we're six. Some of us start when we're 26. I won't say where I started. But I, I've watched the transition in the church. I remember the move of God that we saw back in the 60s and 70s. I've seen moves of God all throughout my ministry. I thank God for what's going on across our land right now in a lot of colleges. God's moving, friends. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to have hearts to be a part of that. But here's the point I want to make. I've seen in, in some areas of the church world, we've begun to shape a God of our own liking. Well, I, I'm going I'm to see God this way. I want to tell you something. If you want to see who God really is, you need to read this. This tells you who God is. It paints a pretty good picture of him. And when it comes to evil, when it comes to sin, when it comes to, I mean, really ungodly living, God says, I don't have time for that. I hate the people who get into that lifestyle and get into that flow and mock me and set their jaw against me. God says, I hate that. I hate that. I'm willing to forgive, but I hate what they're doing. And so David, in his devotion, then writes these words, verse 7. But as for me, as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. Let's not ever lose our thankfulness for God's mercy. For where we were when he found us and how he accepted us and how patient he has been on this journey. Let's not ever lose the simplicity of thanking God for his mercy in our lives. And David said, I don't ever want to forget your mercy because I have been and I could have been one of those people that you wanted nothing to do with. But now I've found a place of mercy in your house. Then he goes on to say, so in fear of you. I will worship towards your holy temple. I've heard a lot of teaching through the years about the fear of God. And I think every teaching I've ever heard has been good and valid. Because there's probably a lot of aspects to this. But I think more than anything else, what God is saying is, you need to know what I say about myself. And you need to reverence me for who I am and what I am because I make the rules, not you. Scripture says he's a holy God. He's got his act together. There is no flaw in him. And here we are striving to be like Jesus and we have bumps in the road and we know that there are things that we struggle with and yet we come to him for his mercy. But he never wants us to stop and say, ah, God's okay with me just dwindling and living a wrong life. God's not okay with that. But let me take it one step further. This is going to be really interesting the next, ten, next seven minutes. Some people come to God's house and they run in and out and in and out and up and down and back and forth and kids screaming and this is happening and that's happening. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. It's just a church service. This is God's house and we need to reverence God in his presence. And, and I don't want to offend anybody, but let me just tell you. 
when we get to the conclusion of our services and we're giving people an opportunity to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, that's a bad time to take God for granted and be running out the back doors and causing commotion while God may be grabbing somebody's heart next to you trying to turn it for eternity. That's a time we really need to reverence God's house. Now you can really clap for me. Make me real happy. In Habakkuk chapter 2, God was speaking to Habakkuk and this prophet, and he said, you know, people are making all these idols. They get wood or they get stone and they cover it with gold and silver and they call it a God. The God's dead, it's not alive, doesn't speak, has nothing to say, has no power, can't do anything, and yet they worship those things and pay no attention to me. They reject me. They, they've created gods of their own making and they've tried to say, well, this is what God is. And God says, no, I'm the only God. I'm God. I'm God. And, and it so happens at the end of this passage in verse 20 of Habakkuk 2, it says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let me tell you something. If God walked in this room today in, in a way that you could see his glory, see his cloud or something like that. If he walked in the room today and it was like God is here, there wouldn't be jumping and shouting. People would be falling on their faces saying, I need to be still and reverent because this is God. And we need to have a sense of reverence for who our God really is. I need to surrender my will and I need to come and sit under his voice and under his authority. Then the last part that I want to talk about, praise and worship, reverence, but I also think we need to have an expectation of things that are going to happen in God's house. I'm going to make this statement. I may say it two or three times. Things happen in God's house that don't happen anywhere else. I've been raised in church my whole life. I'm going to tell you something. I've seen so many things in God's house that have happened that I've never seen happen anywhere else. Good things. I've seen some crazy people too, but I've seen some. I mean, no, those are the exceptions to the rule. But I've seen some amazing things in God's house. But I believe... When we think about God's house, let me take it one step further. When Saturday rolls around and we're making plans for the weekend, I think we need to have a priority that says, Sunday morning, I'm going to be in God's house. Because things happen in God's house that you'll never see anywhere else. Things happen in my life in God's house that never happen anywhere else. I'm going to be in God's house because God shows up at his house. We need to have that expectation. I love a couple of things the psalmist said about this. Psalms 122, David said, I was glad when they said to me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you get excited about going to God's house? When Saturday night rolls around, is it like, uh, can we find something else to do tomorrow? We've been twice this month already. You see, God knows when we see his house that way. Go on, smile at me this morning. As long as you're smiling, I think you'll think, your neighbor will think I'm talking about somebody else. So keep smiling, okay? Or is it like, oh man, that guy up there wearing the beanie playing the guitar drives me nuts. (laughs) Well, close your eyes and worship God then. (laughs) 
Hey, we, we, had a, we had a beanie duet this morning. I mean, come on. But they're praising God. They're bringing in the presence of God. How in the world can I not want to be in the presence of God? I need to come with an expectation. If I go to church, God's going to show up in his house. David said, man, I get excited when it's time to go to God's house. And then in Psalms 84, he said this. He said, I'd rather be in God's house one day than a thousand days anywhere else. He says, as a matter of fact, if I can just stand at the door and just listen and hear what's going on inside, that's better than being anywhere else in this universe. Because things happen in God's house that don't happen anywhere else. There's no better place to be than God's house. You know, my expectation invites God's presence. My expectation invites God's power. And one of the things I've learned from God's word and from my experience is, if you invite God to show up, he will show up. Here's what Jesus said about it in Matthew 18. He said, if just two or three of you gather together. I know, I know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm going to offend somebody right here, but I'm going to do it fast so we can move on. Okay? <laughs> Some of you need to be home today. But some of you need to be in God's house, not watching online. Because when we gather together, Jesus shows up. Let's move on now so I don't make everybody mad at me. Jesus said, just two or three gather. He said, I'm there. I'm there. Then he went on to say, if two of you or just agree, get together and agree on anything, I'll get involved and I'll do what you're asking for. So as I come down to the end of my message... I want to talk about a perspective on God's house for just one more moment in closing. Every time we gather to meet in God's house here at the Bridge Church, we're going to praise him for what he's done in our lives. We're going to do that. Every Sunday morning, every service we have, we're going to praise God. Next thing, we're going to worship God for who he is. We're going to bow our hearts before him and welcome his presence. We're going to accept his authority over our lives. We're going to hear him as his word is taught and his spirit speaks to us. Because I'm going to tell you something. Here at the Bridge Church, we do believe that the Bible is the word of God speaking to us today. So we're going to teach his word and we're going to open our hearts and let the spirit of God speak to us and make it personal to each and every one of us. We're going to respond to him with faith and with action. We're going to encourage one another to grow in our common faith. And when we do this, God's going to show up. And God's going to do what only he can do. One last little verse. Matthew 21. I was reading earlier about Jesus entering the temple and cleaning house. My house should be called a house of prayer. After he cleans house, Matthew 21, verse 14 says this. Then, then, when people got the right perspective on God's house, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed him. See, if my perspective is right, God's presence shows up in my life. And God begins to do what only he can do.
So finally today, what is your perspective on God's house? If Jesus were here today talking to each one of us about his house, what would he say? But you have made it what? You have made it what God wanted it to be. I think we missed the point that our loving Heavenly Father loves to come and hang out with his whole family. I know we got a lot of churches in the valley. God's at several different churches this morning. Some of you didn't know that. I believe that. There's a couple of them I'm not sure about, but most of them I think. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A bit of humor. Come on, everybody. Remember, I have the gift of sarcasm, so, so be with me. But I think God looks forward. You know, I love getting together with Zach. I love getting together with Zane, with their families. But I really love it when we can all get together and hang out and all those grandkids. I think God's heart is so thrilled when we choose to gather as his children. So this morning, we're going to take just one more moment. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our team's going to come out. We're going to just reprise that one song that we did earlier. Sing just a little bit of it. And I want you to... As we sing this, say, God, I want your presence. You know, God's glory is his presence. His presence is his glory. It's the essence of who he is and what he is. And we'll tell you something. God is the heavyweight champion of the universe. Nobody carries the weight that God carries. When he walks into the room, everybody knows it. And we're just going to celebrate his glory this morning in his presence. So I'm going to ask you, open your heart. Let's just take a couple minutes and let's worship God together right now. Cause this is where the glory is You're the one I'm walking with This is where the glory is I'm never alone Thank him today This is where the glory is Here and now until the end Jesus This is where the glory is Oh 
be seated this morning for just a moment just before we change the order of things uh, while everybody's hanging with me we talked about reverence earlier one of the most important thing that, things that happens anytime we gather is God meets each one of us right where we are he's able to speak to everybody in this room what they need to hear all at the same time. That's, that's what God does. That's who he is. And you might be here today and maybe you don't know God. You've never surrendered your life to God. You've never pursued him. You're not a person of faith. Or maybe you're just the prodigal that's been running down the wrong road. But today, God's met you right where you are and he's been knocking on the door of your heart. And you realize this is real. God is in this place. I sense God. What do I do? I, I want to help you start a journey with God right now you're sitting there and you're realizing God loves you so much he put his own son on a cross to die and pay for your sin to erase everything that's wrong behind you to change everything give you a brand new life and a brand new start in Jesus Christ God wants to do that today God raised Jesus from the dead he wants to raise you up out of that old life and give you a brand new life but he needs you to say, God, I'm in. I want that. It's words. It's communication. It's prayer is what it is. It's a religious word for talking with God. So I want to pray with you today. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to bow your heads. I want to pray a prayer. And if you don't know God or you've been running from God, I'm going to give you an opportunity today. To just open your heart. Let God start working in your life. Father, today I come to you and I need you. I recognize I'm lost without you. I believe that you're God, the only God. I believe you gave your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. And he's paid for my past. And today I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I want to learn to choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn your ways. I'm going to start this process today. But I ask you to give me a brand new life today. Let me experience a brand new birth in you. So start this journey. From this day forward, I trust you to be my father, and I'll be your child. I want to learn your ways and follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for knocking on my heart. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Now here's the deal. If you prayed that prayer today, it's probably the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life, but it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of your journey with God. When service is over today, we'd love to help you get started on your journey. And we want to give you a simple little tool. It's a booklet called The Next Seven Days. Simple reading to help you get started the next week walking with God. So when service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need according to Scripture. So when service is over, you can walk up to one of these teams and just say, Can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you want to talk, if you've got questions, if you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you. But we want to put this in your hand today. 
If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby as you exit the glass doors, there's a counter set up right there. You'll see a screen that has the booklet the next seven days on the screen. Stop by there, ask for the booklet. Same thing, we'll give it to you, get you started walking with God. We're so glad you've joined God's family. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. And can we also thank Pastor Gary for that great message this morning? I'm loving this series, Perspectives. It's so good, and it's just so good being in God's house with all of you today. We're so glad you're here. And, you know, this is the time in our service when we worship God with our giving. And as we prepare to give today, you know, during the message this morning, thinking about our perspective on God's house, it made me realize that really our actions demonstrate and reveal our perspective on God's house. And one of those actions that reveals our perspective is our giving. We can come into God's house to see what we can get at God's house, or we can come into God's house to help build his house and to help make it possible to reach more and more people to come into God's house. And I am so thankful. We are all so thankful that this is a church full of people who love to build God's house and are so generous. And so today we just want to say thank you for your continual generosity in giving. You are making a difference in people's lives and you are helping people find home in God's house. So thank you you so much for your giving. You'll see on the screens the ways you can give. If you wish to give in person, there are envelopes on the chair backs, giving stations located on the sidewalls just before you exit the auditorium, and another one located out in the foyer just before you enter the Bridge Kids area. All right. Thanks for being in church today. It's been great sharing Sunday morning with you. Have an amazing week, and we will see you next Sunday.